0: I think natural is overrated, and it's like, look, naturally, the way I looked this morning is maybe not (laughs) as great as I look right now. (laughs) I put a little bit of work in, you know. You're
1: listening to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the show that helps you communicate with confidence so you can stand out from the crowd and get noticed by all the right people. If you want to be a person of influence and achieve success in business and in life, this podcast is for you. To subscribe to the show, go to thecmethod.com. Hi there, Rockstar. I'm Christina Canters, communication skills coach, founder of The C Method, and your favorite ukulele maestro, with you here for episode 46. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I am joined by a very special guest this week, communication and performance skills coach, singer, and songwriter, Zerafina Zara. I was really excited to get Zerafina on the show because she, like me, is passionate about helping people to be more effective at communicating, presenting, and basically not being weird when doing so. And what's cool about Zerafina is she's also a singer and performer. So she brings this performance background into her training. And I thought it'd be really great to get that performer's perspective on public speaking and presenting. In this conversation, we talk about why being quote natural is not a good idea. And you shouldn't listen to the people who tell you to just be yourself. We talk about how to get feedback and know if you're doing really weird things. And we also talk about why why we're often afraid to get out of our little square our little invisible box we're on the stage and why you should get up and move around. Okay, so we actually start off talking in this episode about her latest album, which is called Waiting for the Rain. So when we refer to the album, that's what we're talking about. Oh, and Zerafina also gave me permission to use her music in the podcast. So that's the transition music you'll be hearing throughout this episode. I'll put links to her music in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Zara, as in her surname, Zara, Z-A-R-A, or Z-A-R-A if you're living in North America. <laughs> okay. And oh, finally, when I interviewed her, Serafina had actually been at a speaker's conference and we chatted about it before the interview started. So when she mentions the people at the event and what they were doing, that's what she's referring to. Okay, cool. Now, before we get to the interview, I just really quickly want to give a shout out to Cullen of the Eat Radio podcast, who I met at a Silicon Beach, Melbourne meetup last week. His show is about crowdfunding and fundraising for business, and you can find it at eatmag.com, and that's eat spelled E-A-T-T, so E-A-T-T-M-A-G, eatmag.com. Cullen and I geeked out about podcasting. It was so much fun. I love meeting fellow podcasters in person. So if you're listening, Cullen, it was awesome to meet you. Okay, let's talk communication, stage presence, and not doing weird things with your hands with the very lovely Zerafina Zara.
0: I don't travel far to find out where you
1: are. Zerafina Zara i got to yeah. say, that is the
0: coolest name I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> your parents like, we've got to give her a Z name? Oh, no. And I actually changed my name. Did and you? Yeah, I did. I did. And um, the, think, your first name? Well, my first name is actually Elspeth and it still is Elspeth. Okay. But when I changed my last name, I changed my middle name as well because a girlfriend had a dream that someone pointed at me and said, who's that? And she said, oh, that that's Serafina. And I went, there we go. It's my new middle name, and I started using it. And you know, yeah.
1: Well, it's cool. It's definitely memorable. It has yeah. a ring to it.
0: Yeah. Although, yeah, it's not easy to remember, and it gets misspelled a lot. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. I,
1: I know a woman called Seraphina.
0: Ah, yeah. But I've never met someone called Zerefina with yeah. a Z. And there's a cat in the Barbie movie. Apparently, a white cat called Seraphina. So no way. <laughs> becoming way popular. <laughs> the exciting. Barbie movie. The Barbie. Movie. I never thought I'd talk about the Barbie movie on this podcast.
1: <laughs> Strange things have happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so I recorded that with. um So I got some. I got a lot of feedback on the lyric writing. Although the, um, not the title track. The title track got a lot of. It played on a lot, a lot for me on Triple R. But the um, the first single was Summer Love Song, and that got light rotation on Triple J. And I could have gotten run over by a truck and just died happy when I heard that getting played. I was like, oh my
1: god, so cool! But when um, um where can people pick up a um, copy of iTunes. this? iTunes. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'll put a link to this yeah. in the show notes for the yeah, episode so people awesome. can check that out. Yeah,
0: cool. So that's where a lot of my understanding of language comes from. But yeah, Pat was saying, um, he said he considers it a mark of excellence if a singer can lift her hand above shoulder level. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw this jazz group and the singer was kind of like this. Because when we're nervous, our sympathetic nervous system um says I'm under attack and tightens everything and tries to protect your rib cage. So right. and I was you know, all the speakers yesterday, almost all of them, were talking like this. So you talk. So with life.
1: their elbows pinned to their side yes. and Penguin with arms. their hands,
0: what do you call it? Penguin arms. Penguin arms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just smile and oh, wave, goodness. boys. Smile <laughs> and wave. <laughs> okay, I get it now. It's a myth. Thunderbirds, a go. But that's your sympathetic nervous system saying, "I'm in front of a bunch of people. Our brain's not very well designed. So, um, and this happens for singers, you know, for public speakers, for everybody. Uh, part of our brain goes." Danger Will Robinson, and it's a bit that, you know, saying we're under attack, so let's protect ourselves. But it's unconscious, so mm. it's not like – but we look a bit weird when we're only gesturing from the elbow up, you know. So my tip to people is get some sunlight under your armpits, you know. Try and just go for – Sunlight under the armpits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What about – Because what what about about when you're talking to a big group of people, that's um, that's also what you want to do. You want larger gestures than if you are just having a conversation in the hallway. What about if you're speaking to
1: a smaller group of, say, 10 people? Would you still make your gestures
0: larger? Yeah. Or is that too much? No, I don't think it's too much. It always feels bigger. I mean, it's great to video yourself too because mm. you always look much more awkward than, um, <laughs> than you think. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? Be? But, um, you think you're looking natural, but, um, but by making those larger gestures, you're also sending messages of confidence to your body, to to your brain and to your hormone system as well. So even though you're not feeling um like you want to do that, like you want to open up your physicality, it's more like think of belly dances or something, you know, your most open vulnerable position is actually your position of greatest dominance and strength too because you're saying, yep, yeah, it's all there, it's mm-hmm. open. This, you know, when we, we crunch up and squash everything, that's our – place of most fearfulness and submission yeah. and it sends messages to your brain too. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Do you believe in doing the movements that come naturally to you or actually orchestrating them to a degree? And I ask this because I did a TV presenting course oh, once yeah. and I gave feedback on to another student. It was just my initial reaction. I said, "Oh, when you do when you say this, maybe do this movement with your arm to illustrate to help like push that point home and he's and the teacher said oh absolutely not don't ever uh deliberately make a movement that's not natural he said you should just do what comes natural to you but then what with your saying is that if you're naturally nervous yeah
0: you're gonna just be sounding like a penguin which doesn't really help and looking awkward and weird mm. yeah and it's like look naturally the way i looked this morning it's maybe not <laughs> as great as I look right now. <laughs> I put a little bit of work in, you know, and it's kind of like it just means that you the best that you can be. And also people do awkward things that they don't know that they're doing. If what you're doing naturally is – um grabbing your pants I remember my senior teacher saying she had a student who was nervous and when he was nervous he'd grab his pants and unfortunately it just gave him this really baggy crotch and it's like that's what came naturally to him I think natural is overrated and in fact when I coach people what people say at the other end of it is, oh, but you are just a natural at that. And I hear that over and over again. And it's because they've integrated that into what they're doing. But to me, it's like learning the notes. You know, you talk about ukulele playing. It's like learning the notes or learning the song before you go out and play it for other people. You wouldn't kind of go, well, it just feels natural to just hit this.
1: (laughs) It's like driving a car, right? At the start, it doesn't feel natural because you're still learning how to do it. There are so many things you need to think about. But then after a while, you it comes naturally, and you yes. you're doing your makeup and texting someone. Okay, maybe not texting no, someone, not of texting, course. Yeah. But you you know you're driving along and doing all these things at the same time, steering yeah. with your knees, putting on your seatbelt at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you you're able to concentrate on other activities, and that's you know that's the thing of of planning some things too. Also, it's not natural to us to to choose how to use the stage space as well. It's actually natural for us to stay. um, I should find a word for it for speakers because I always said it's the singer's square metre of stage or, you know, you're kind of like, this is my zone. They pick their spot. Yeah, and it's like one of those – I don't know what's that game where it goes if you go out of the lines, you know those kind of things. Oh yeah, you, like I don't know what that surgery game or something. It's like <laughs> that. It's like if you move outside of that, you'll get electrocuted. Are you trying to weave along, yeah, weave, weave yeah. that metal shape along yeah. the,
1: the line of thing, and if you touch it, then yeah. you get buzzed out. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's kind of like that. Like people forget that they actually can. You know what happens if you walk out into the audience what hap- i mean there's that kind of that space between the audience and the um and the performer or the person up on on stage and and you have an opportunity too to walk out into the audience you have an opportunity to be in different parts of the stage and different areas of the stage and different ways of moving behind between different parts of the stage will create a different effect
1: why do people not venture
0: from their spot just fear it's our brain saying we're under attack I heard some statistics saying that up until about 10,000 years ago I think that m- maximum number of people you'd see at any one time in your over your whole lifetime would be 150 no way yeah it's like that's not very many people so imagine mm. if you're looking at it at 150 people your brain's going oh
1: my god freak out right. you know, so if you so if you're to so if you're to venture closer to them or amongst them is that making you more vulnerable, like vulnerable from all different sides? Um, to what does it- f- I'm trying to figure out, like, what are we actually afraid of when
0: when we actually move around? Oh, we- What are we afraid of? Um- Partly it's just not having those those kind of pathways or those choices available and open to your, to your brain. So I still do a singing gig where I do with someone who's um she's used to cruise ships and she's an absolute crack up and goes out into the audience and sits in people's laps and you know does that kind of stuff. If you're kind of used to okay this is how I can engage, then you'll do that. But if but if some part of you has accepted the unwritten rules of if I'm up on stage, then I'm here standing behind the lectern, um. And you're out there in the audience and this is how you'll behave and this is how I'll behave. There are a whole bunch of unwritten rules that you're accepting and you don't have to. Mm. So, I mean, there are some things, some difficulties with getting into the audiences that then not everyone can see you. Um, there are, I did see one speaker who I won't name. She's quite famous, but, um, who came from the back of the room and it was kind of cool. It was sort of cool because it was different but there was a little bit of a a why what's your intention behind this and i think that's the important thing about making any kind of choice on stage is what what's your intention behind what you're doing what kind of impact are you intending to create and are you having the kind of impact you're hoping to mm that's really that that would be the the main thing does it you know when you talk about authenticity it's kind of like well does that work for you um But it's funny because for me as a performer and someone who coaches performers, I can guarantee you that most of the things that I coach people to do will make them feel uncomfortable, definitely make them feel uncomfortable to begin with. And I was coaching a singer last week. I was coaching a singer who was working in a – um, who was doing a show at the Butterfly Club. And we went into the space and I showed her – I videoed what she was doing from up the back of the room because you've always got to think of the cheap seats, like what do people see up, <laughs> yeah. up the back of the room? Because we see ourselves in a really narrow frame. We see ourselves in a mirror, actually, probably in the bathroom. And, you know, it's not very far away, but noticing, okay, what do people see when they see your whole body? Um And then being able to make some choices about how am I going to move? What do I do with my body? You know, often people, the thing that occurs to them is, what are these things at the end of my arms and what do I do with them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't you know what to do with my hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, but doing something different than what you're used to doing is going to make you feel uncomfortable. But what makes you feel comfortable could actually make you look really weird. That's the other thing. I what mean, do you mean? Well, we oh, – like standing with your arms crossed? Yeah, standing with your arms crossed. Okay. Or we also self-soothe through um so the nonverbal communication is that, that when we feel uncomfortable we stimulate nerve endings to help calm us down so like a baby sucks a dummy we do things like we'll touch our face mm. um we'll touch our neck we'll um touch the the notch in in our neck or play with a necklace yeah i do i, um, do, I bite my knuckle bite your knuckle when i'm sitting there just Again, pondering want... or checking yeah. emails i'll bite my knuckle if i'm I don't know, unsure of what I'm doing. Well, and what that does is it stimulates nerve endings and that helps to soothe us. It helps to calm us down. It's a pacifying act. And we have lots of nerve endings in our hands, so you'll see people rubbing their hands. So probably the most common thing I'll see is people rubbing their fingertips. So they're talking and they're rubbing their fingertips. But what that does for an audience is our brain actually has a whole lot more real estate taken up by watching faces and hands. It's a survival thing. You know, is somebody friendly? Are they okay? It's just how we look at other human beings. Mm. But it means that you're looking at somebody rubbing their fingertips and it's like, it's not necessarily supporting what it is that, that you're saying. Mm. I had one singing student once who would, um, who would, um, rub her, who would hold her hands on her thighs and, um, fingers are pointers too. So because we're right. looking at hands and faces, whatever we're putting our hands on, we're pointing towards something. Okay. So, you know, and I was saying, Sophie, I'm sure Sophie wouldn't mind, Sophie, is that where you want your audience to be looking, you know, because it was just right on her crotch? So right. it's like, you know.
1: That's how I've also, I've read that that's how um, some men will assert their dominance un- unconsciously, mm. but they'll put their hands in their pockets with their thumbs pointing towards their crotch. Yeah. And that's that's like a, an unconscious way of them going, Look at me. I'm like, I'm the man.
0: Well, right? I've heard that's, I think mean, <laughs> that's, I've read that's that. I read that, I read that in a body language book. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually, I was telling a girlfriend that and somebody she was flirting with and just going, no way. And I was like, look, he's right across the room. His thumbs were pointing. And I told all the guys later, I said, and they're like, no, I'd never do that. That's so dirty or so wrong or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's what you do. It's, and that's the thing is it's unconscious. <laughs> Women do heaps of things, reveal the neck, touch our hair, you know whole bunch of stuff but guys go ladies (laughs) this is where you want your attention (laughs) yeah yeah. but that's a confidence display thumbs out is confidence but thumbs in pocket uh it's a um a lack of confidence display Mm.
1: so how do you suggest people actually become more aware of these little natural habits that may be detracting from their message
0: get feedback I think a lot of the things you don't, don't realize you're doing on your own or well, some clients that I've worked with at big companies, I've videoed them and, um, they don't realize that they're slumping in their chair. So they have, um, international calls. They're part of an international company mm. and they don't realize how they actually look when they're on video conference calls. Ah, okay. And, um, so how they're holding their body, um, fidgeting. So a lot of things people will actually pick up themselves if they see. If they see how they're doing it, um, and put a little pressure on too. But yeah, I, I think knowing some of the information really helps. So knowing our tendency is going to be to stick our arms to the sides of our bodies like a penguin or knowing <laughs> that, um, we tend to try and soothe ourselves by. Um, rubbing our fingertips or holding on to clothing, so I haven't actually seen the the you know pants grabbing one, but I see lots of particular young women grabbing the bottom of a shirt, you know like grabbing your own clothing or the bottom of a sleeve right. or something like that um so just watching what you're doing with your your hands, yeah, and look at, and looking at good presenters and noticing what do they do, and you know how's that engaging me
1: mm. I've seen a lot of people also like clenching their hands in front of them,
0: as well. That's weird. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> look, that's, like holding them together, and that's and- because there's somebody. You know, look, and there's a heap of misinformation out there. but That's because somebody has said you should hold onto your hands so that they don't do weird things that you're not that you're not noticing. Yeah. Oh,
1: like playing with a pen or yeah, those other weird things you were talking about. Yeah.
0: So someone along the line has said, this is a way to solve this, you know, and, and I hear lots of those things of never do this or never do this. And it's a kind of a shortcut to try and help people to solve problems. Because if you don't know anything about it, then, you know, what's going to help you? I mean, there's some, um, there's a book called compelling people and they suggest to you. Imagine a ball. This is helpful. This is helpful, but I, I suppose it, it's not an always or a never. Um, but, you know, they imagine holding a ball in your hand so it can be a small ball to a larger ball oh, okay. or a beach ball <laughs> yeah. so that you've got some kind of things. But, you know, for me, coaching people, I want to go beyond a beach ball, and there might be a time where you want to say "everybody." Mm. And your hands—if I'm holding a beach ball and going "everybody," <laughs> I look like a bit of a weirdo, and I just try and make people look less weird mm. if I can.
1: You know, <laughs> 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 Zara, helping the world become less weird <laughs>
0: <laughs> or weirder, you or know, weirder <laughs> in your
1: own special yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did you actually get into communication skills training? I know you have have a singing theatre background. Yeah. What Um, made you actually make that switch?
0: I was a bit unusual in the music world in that I took time off to study dance and choreography and so I was really interested in the body and I did a Bachelor of Letters in dance at Deakin and then went – Man, I can't even busk with this stuff. Contemporary dance is so weird. Like, at least I can busk with a guitar on a court. Do I want to <laughs> never eat? Or... Um, so I didn't know how that would be useful in my, in my life. But what I found in the music world is that, um, there wasn't an, a very good awareness and there's almost zero. I would say, that, you know, unless you're in music theatre, which is a lot more structured, um, people would say you've either got it or you don't. And, um, and what I found that I was able to coach the singers that I was working with into let's make some choices about why you do this and um, how hey, you might use your stage space and let's create a moment which will be shocking or exciting and um, and I found invariably when they did those things and I'd be on the assessment panel with other you know musicians and academics and and. And the thing that other people would say is they are just a natural. Mm. They've really got it. Um, and so I knew that you could learn those kind of things. And I was teaching classes at CAE and my singing students that I was teaching this performance information to were then coming back and saying, I got that pitch with a client or I, um, I landed that job because they'd learnt like one of the fundamentals in music is, if something goes wrong, you just go on to the next moment. You don't flag it. You don't roll your eyes. You don't say, excuse me, everybody, I'd like to draw your attention to the fact that I just made a mistake because it's very important. Because <laughs> music's an art form in time. So what's really important to us is, is that we are in the now. So whatever happened half a second ago is irrelevant. What's happening in in the now and that helped a lot of people when they were pitching, for example, or to make sure that they weren't saying, "I'd like to draw your attention to the things that we don't have in this pitch." <laughs> why would you do that yeah, exactly, yeah, so people um told me that they were that that was having that impact on their life, and that also they were being more confident or better communicators and so um because I'm a nerd uh, and have a bit of an academic background and I don't know, I just researched quite a lot over quite a lot of years about what the actual non-verbals meant and especially in terms of performance, I wanted to know why hands up meant something different than hands down. So I could get a sense of, yes, this has a different impact on the audience and I'd get singers to A, B it and say, what do you think, what does that feel like to you? But I wanted to research some of the science behind it to understand better, you know, sort of, and that's more around the area of criminology and I mentioned to you joe navarro's works brilliant in that of just noticing comfort and discomfort and what are the kinds of things that we do um pretty consistently so that uh we can communicate better when you were doing this research initially
1: what was one thing that you remember stood out for you was like a an aha moment where you're like ah, oh, that's why that happens well that's why we do what we do
0: um I don't know. I think I think lots of them I think I don't I think maybe take the taking up space I think more the Amy Cuddy stuff than the mm. Joan Navarro things. There were some other things that were more from um a magician some things you try and you just kind of like I don't know why that works and I still don't know why that works and it might be um and easy, it's easier to process in, in, it's, I think it's called, um, processing fluency. So that if things look right for us as an audience, it makes us feel safer and more comfortable. But, you know, I was talking to you recently about just looking, looking over the audience from the audience's left to right, which is our right to left when we're looking, um, across an yes. audience. Yeah. And that that makes a big difference.
1: I might just explain that a little bit. So, so like, just to recap for the people listening. Mm. So when you're saying, when you're saying something and you're like gesturing with your hands in the air and going from left to right, is it the way that you would read something? Mm. When you're doing that left to right, it's actually audience's right to left. Yes. So you, as the speaker, need to gesture from your right to left, which is the audience's left to right. So it's like the way that they're reading it. Yes. and that's going to make it much more easy for them to to receive that message yes. and understand. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a really good tip actually that you gave me because I I was I gave a Toastmasters speech on Monday night, oh. and one of the thing and the t- the speech was about how to create a great elevator pitch for yourself. And I was sharing some different formulas. For example, saying, um, I help blank do blank. Like that's one way you can explain what you do. And I was using my hands to write to, to be like, I help blank. And like drawing with my fingers, like a blank Hmm. do blank. And I made sure that I went from my right to my left. Cause that's something that I would not have naturally coming back to this again. I would have naturally not, not have naturally done that. Yes. And I had to make that conscious, deliberate, effort to do that, but that would have made my speech
0: more effective. Absolutely. And it's not that anyone really notices, except for me, unless I'm in the audience. I'm like, well, <laughs> going backwards. Left, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and it's not that people don't, uh, it's not that people notice it, but it's, um, this idea of processing fluency. So, um, we feel better about things that are easier to understand. So whenever people hear my name, Zarafina often they'll think my name is Sarah Mm. or I'm introducing myself as Sarah Fina because that processes – they're familiar with that, that processes. And if that were actually my name, that would make people happier (laughs) 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 Um, because it's easier. And in Australia we do it a lot. People often say, well, can I shorten your name because, you know, and I kind of feel like, well – no, man, I don't know you that well. <laughs> but in terms of processing fluency, that's um, – is it makes things easier to process. And I'm imagining – I don't know the research behind it, but I'm imagining that when you're presenting and you're gesturing to your right to left, so left to right for your audience right. – it just improves that processing fluency. It's, right. an, it seems normal and natural and it just makes it a little bit easier and more comfortable for your audience. So you're not pulling them out of the moment where part of their brain is having to go, okay, so what they actually mean, so what I'm seeing is this, but what they mean is backwards from, from that. And I work with um, politicians sometimes, which is super fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I noticed Kevin Rudd would often say he was taking us from here to there. So he would say from, He's left to right. Right. And I'd think Kevin. That's actually backwards. <laughs> yes. For you, that's forward. For the rest of us, that's backwards. <laughs> yeah. And that's quite, that's quite a common, you know, that's quite a common thing. Cause unless somebody tells you, how would you know? Yeah, totally. Unless you're an aerobics instructor where you have to practice saying left and put out your right
1: hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally. We're at the start of 2016. What's in store for you, Zerefina, for this for this year or for the first half of the year? Because I know you've got you do a lot of things because you perform. Because mm-hmm. not only do you coach people with, in speaking and performance, you also perform yourself. Yes. Yes. Hence, and hence the you write songs. Hence the album. Yeah. So you know what do you what's your focus for for the next
0: for the for the future? I've got lots of things on. It's kind of. I don't know, it just doesn't gel with me that, you know, do one thing and focus on one thing. I, I don't think that's who, who I am. So music-wise, I'm writing a new EP and that – Album Waiting for the Rain was produced by, um, Pete Luscombe, who's Paul Kelly's drummer. So I'm thinking about, do I work with Pete again, or do I want to take a different, a, a different kind of, do I want to find different kinds of collaborators? Um, so that's music. I'm also doing some things in the music industry. So a couple of record labels working with some of their performers. Um, because again, there's not that information out there. I went to a major record company, to see what they were saying to people and they had an artist saying, Mm. just be yourself. And after the conversation we've just had, I'm kind of like, wow, there's a bit more. There's 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 a bit more you can do than that. There are ways you can make choices before you go on stage that will make you much more powerful, connected, exciting, you know, just create moments. And I've got some work with politicians coming up and hopefully some more corporates and I think I'm really – My focus in that world is just helping people to be more confident, just more confident in the world because when you communicate better, you connect better with other human beings and it makes you have better relationships. So, you know, beyond the the thing of being more successful in your business, you also feel like – I feel like a lot of these things are kind of like the rule book I wish I'd had at high school or something. You know, you just feel like I feel like everybody gets this stuff and I'm just – somebody hasn't given me the book, you know, They really don't. Yeah. Well, at no point do you ever kind of get the book. It's through, you know, some kind of things are affirmed and other things are downplayed. And, um, you know, I just feel like it makes people, um, better at being more confident in their role in business and being better communicators with, within teams and, I'm just interested in getting people more resonant and also I'm quite focused on positive psychology in terms of, you know, how do you get people at their happiest? How do you get people at their most engaged and most inspired? Mm. Um, and I'm working with tech companies because people tend to be on their devices rather than talking to other human beings so that there's a little bit of that lost art of conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's getting worse and worse, which is good for people like you and me because it <laughs> means that our services are more in demand. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really exciting. I, I love you've got so many things going on. And, yeah. um, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you. It's been awesome having you. And I've learned a lot from you today. Oh, I've learned a lot from you just in the chats that we've had around <laughs> hub. So, um, I'm really,
0: I'm glad that we were able to, to do this. Oh, good. Do this chat. It's good to share. It's yeah. not. It's not rocket surgery, but it does help to kind of have some kind of in and to have, have some information. It's, I love sharing it because it's like, wow, this is this really cool thing.
1: It's, it's, it's actually quite simple when you think about it. It's yeah. just a matter of being aware, implementing it, practicing it, and then eventually it becomes Neutral. natural.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and people say, you're such a natural at that. And you go,
1: yeah. <laughs> I've just been working on it for the last five years, yeah. but it's natural. It's yeah. natural. Big thanks again to Zerafina Zara for joining me on the show this week and for letting me use her music throughout the show. Show notes to where you can find her music and learn more about her training will be at thecmethod.com slash Zara. That's Z-A-R-A. Okay, one last thing before I wrap this episode. I really like your help. Would that be okay? Here's the thing. I'm having a subscriber competition with my friend, George C.O.C. Samuels. He hosts the It Will Come show. And I'm not going to give you the link because I don't want you to go to his website. But we're having a a subscriber uh, competition where we're both trying to get to 500 subscribers. We'll see who gets to 500 subscribers the quickest. I now I'm currently at three hundred and eighty four and I think I am leading George, which is cool. So if you'd like to help out and help me win this subscriber war slash competition with George, I'm quite competitive, so I really wanna win. So I'm pulling all the stops out. If you can help me, that would be amazing. All you have to do is go to thecmethod.com and there's a there'll be a landing page right there where it says, want to have better conversations. Just pop in your email there and you'll receive my 21 day confidence building tips that will help you to talk about yourself and be more confident when explaining what you do which is extremely helpful when you're in networking situations or even just social social situations when people say, so what do you do? Okay. So if you could do that, that would be amazing. And if you already have signed up to the confidence course, firstly, good on you. You are a rock star. And secondly, if you know someone who you think would benefit from the confidence course, then please direct them by all means to the website, thecmethod.com, or you can get them to email me, or you can email me, cc at thecmethod.com, and I can pop them on the list. Too easy. Thanks so much for your help with this. I really, really, really want to win this. And like I said, do not go and subscribe to George C.O.C. Samuels. It will come show. Please subscribe to mine instead. (laughs) Okay. Alrighty, that wraps up episode 46. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next week for another episode. Keep on being awesome. I'm Christina Cantors from the C Method, and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.